This podcast is a production of Phoenix Media. Explore more episodes of this show and other great shows on the Phoenix Media Podcast Network by visiting phoenixmedia.us. The views expressed do not necessarily represent those of the company or its advertisers and may contain language that's unsuitable for younger listeners. Thank you for tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. I'm your host, Christian Phoenix. Now, growing up as a comic book fan of the 80s and 90s, I've always been fascinated with how storytellers translated these iconic heroes from the page to film, television, and radio. Long before we got the big-budget CGI epics we enjoy today, children gathered around their radios to hear their favorite do-gooders come to life with little more than their imaginations and these broadcasts from a time long forgotten. I invite you to gather around your radio for this presentation of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look, up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman. Hello there, gang. This is pal Dan McCullough. Say, uh, which is it? Is it a bird? Is it a plane? Is it a button? You never can tell for sure until you open your package of Kellogg's Pep and see which one of those three kinds of prizes you'll get. So, every prize is always an exciting surprise. It might be a beautiful full-color bird picture from a series of 24, each with a description on the reverse side so you can name and know any of these birds around. Or, uh, it might be a model of a fighting plane, one of seven thrilling plane models in the series all made of colored cardboard and easy to assemble. Or uh, your next pet prize might be one of Pep's 18 slick comic buttons, picturing one of your favorite comic strip characters to, to pin on your beanie cap or your jacket. And speaking of characters, you will be a mighty happy character yourself when you dig into your bowl of Kellogg's Pep, because every spoonful of these crisp whole wheat flakes tickles your taste with its keen sunshine flavor. Every bowl full is a treat. Every dish of Pep just about doubles the fun of breakfast. So get going, gang. Ask Mom for a Kellogg's Pep, the sunshine cereal, and see whether the prize inside your package is a bird, a plane, or a button. And now, the adventures of Superman. When Joe Martin, a war hero, was mysteriously shot during a veteran's demonstration against Governor Wheeler, whom the G.I.s charged with practicing racial and religious discrimination, Big George Latimer, the state political boss, virtually accused Sam Robbins, Joe's best friend, of firing the shot. When the gun was found in Sam's house, Latimer used the pages of the scandal-mongering Metropolis Clarion to whip up public opinion against Sam and the veterans, implying they were foreigners trying to overthrow the government. Enraged, the G.I.s set out to liberate Sam from the state police jail, but were stopped by Superman. Latimer then phoned Governor Wheeler and asked him to arrange for Sam's transfer to an upstate jail. And as we continue now in Latimer's library, Lippy Williams, star reporter for the Clarion, gasped. Do you know what you've done? You've just signed Sam Robbins' death warrant, Mr. Latimer. On the contrary, Lippy. These veterans might try to storm the police jail again. And if they do, they'll be shooting. Robbins and many others may be hurt. So I think it's best to get them out of Metropolis and upstate where it'll be safe. Safe? I just finished telling you that section is a hotbed of religious prejudice. So what? So you're sending Sam Robbins into a lion's den, that's what. His life won't be worth a nickel up there. Nonsense. He'll be in a good, strong jail. Nothing can happen. To him. Are you kidding the Clarion is a big sale upstate, and those stories we've been running, calling Robbins a foreign radical and practically saying he shot Joe Martin, those stories will have those fanatical nuts up there howling for his blood. 
They won't let a little thing like a jail stand in their way. Oh, I think you're exaggerating the bit. No, I'm not. I know you're deliberately sending Sam Robbins up there to be lynched. Oh, wait a minute. You don't have to play games with me. You know that if Joe Martin recovers, and it looks like he will, he'll say Robbins didn't shoot him. Look okay. here. And then where will you be with your charges that Robbins shot Martin as part of a plot to make trouble for the governor and take over the state? And where will you be with your charges that all the vets at the mass meeting were radical? They are. They're foreigners. Us. Just because a man goes to a different church from yours doesn't make him a foreigner, and you know it. But you figure if you can brand them all foreigners and radicals, you won't have to give them state jobs. You can keep the jobs for your party ward healers. That's quite a speech, Lippy. Are you through? Not quite. You're making a big mistake, and I want to save your hide. Nice of you. No, just financially profitable. Now, look. You figure if you can get rid of Robbins, there won't be a trial to backfire in your face in the governor's. It won't come out that you framed Robbins so you could smear the G.I. Who framed Robbins? You did. You and me. Remember? You can't provide anything to do with it. Oh, yes, I can, if I have to. Just remember that in case you ever get any bright ideas about crossing me up. I don't like your tone, William. You mean you don't like me because I keep my eye on the scoreboard. Well, that's okay. I don't like you either. I'm in your bandwagon because it pays off and I like the feel of the green stuff in my pocket. That's why I want to save you from kicking over the apple cart. What do you mean? I mean if you send Sam Robbins upstate and something happens to him, you won't only have the Metropolis veterans on your neck, you'll have veterans all over the state after your scout. Nonsense. Nobody cares what happens to a dirty foreigner, except other foreigners. That's where you're wrong. The guy who fought in the war learned that it doesn't make any difference to a bomb what church you went to or what color your skin is. That's sentimental rubbish. Some of the boys may have felt that way during the war, but the war is over. They still feel that way. Take my word for it. You're going to make a big mistake if you go through with this scheme. Just a minute. Hello? Who? Oh, oh, yes, yes, Briggs. The governor said what? Oh, he did arrange to send Robbins upstate, huh? To the jail at Grant City. I see. Uh-oh. Now, tell me, Briggs. How was Robbins being transferred? By... Oh, by car, huh? I think that's a very good idea. In fact, that's essential. Well, thank you for calling me, Briggs, and uh, give the governor my regards. Right. Goodbye. So you've got it all set, huh? Robbins is going to Grant City, and you found out they're taking him by car. Now, listen, William. Let me see. They might go out of Metropolis two or three ways, but they'll have to hit Highway 120 just below Lordville. Well, I can see there's no use my trying to argue you out of this, so I'll be toddling along. Now, wait a minute. Where are you going? To Lordville, of course. What for? I smell a story, and I'm a newspaper reporter. Remember? I don't want you to go to Lordville. Mm-hmm. You can't talk me out of it, pal. Well, I guess not. I mean, it doesn't make any difference anyhow. I was just going to say that I, uh... I happen to have some business at Grant City. You're telling me. And I'll take you along in my car, if you like. I can drop you off at Lordville. Oh, well, let's go. In a moment, I'll have to make a phone call for it. You just to me in the living room. Okay, but hurry up. Long distance, please. Uh, long distance. I want to call Lordville. Some of the boys and I were just talking about you. What kind of a city do you live in, anyhow? Clubless, what do you mean? Well, it's some city where a dirty foreigner can shoot an American boy, a veteran at that, and get away with it. Oh, you mean the Robbins case? That's what I mean. I'd like to see the dirty foreigner try anything like that around this part of the state, or even show his big nose up here. We know how to take care of scum like that. <laughs> You're sure if I really, Dan. Good thing the governor asked the police to put Robinson cold storage in the jail at Grant City instead of Lordville. Grant City? What do you mean? Some of Robbins' jive rents out at the store in the state police jail early this evening. The governor decided Robbins would be safer in the Grant City jail. So a couple of troopers are driving him up here tonight. Mm, they are, huh? Tonight? Yeah. They just left, as a matter of fact. 
But the uh, reason I called you, Dean, is the elections are getting pretty close, you know, and your district is important. I've got to know that you've got it sewed up. Well, you don't have to worry about my district, Mr. Latimer. It'll vote the way you want it to. You do that, Mr. Latimer. Well, good night, Dean. Good night. Driving him up tonight, are they? That's fine. That's just dandy. Couldn't have planned it any better myself. Hello? Art, this is Dean Carter. Listen, you know about that Sam Robbins in Metropolis? The guy who shot the war veteran yesterday? I'll say I do. I was just reading the clarion. That Robbins is a lousy foreigner and a radical, too. That's right. Now, listen. A couple of state troopers are driving Robbins up to the jail at Grant City tonight. They are? Yeah. They just left Metropolis, so they ought to come through Lordville in about an hour. Now, listen. I'll call Eddie and Bill, and you call Mac and Red and maybe Harry Thomas. Tell them we'll meet behind Mac's barn, where the highway detour is, in uh, half an hour. Okay? I'll say it's okay. We'll fix that rat. You bet we'll fix him. Now, get busy, Mart. I'll see you in half an hour. Behind Max Barnes. In half an hour, Lordville's men of hate will gather in the dark to await Sam Robbins. What will happen? As a state police car bearing two troopers and Sam Robbins roars away from the Metropolis City Jail under cover of darkness and starts toward Grant City, Clark Kent is shown into the offices of Abner Brown, managing editor of the scandal-mongering Metropolis Clarion. Well, well, well. Clark Kent of the holier-than-thou Daily Planet. <laughs> Don't tell me you've been fired and came here for a job. Hardly, Mr. Brown. I'm looking for Lippy Williams. Well, I didn't know you and Lippy were pals. Why not? I just want to introduce him to a lady outside your office. What lady? Sam Robbins' mother. I think she can identify him as the man who came to her house yesterday. Why? Lippy didn't cover the story at the Robbins' house? Well, maybe not. But unless I miss my guess, he came there posing as a G.I. buddy of Sam's. And when Mrs. Robbins was fixing some tea for him, he slipped upstairs and sneaked a gun into Sam's bureau. What are you talking about? What gun? The gun with which Joe Martin was shot. That means Lippy knows who shot Martin and... Sam Robbins shot him. Oh, no, he didn't. Despite the rotten stories you've been printing in the clarion. Somebody else shot him. To discredit the veterans who want jobs and to stir up racial and religious hatred. I think Lippy is working with that person. You're out of your mind, Kent. We don't do things like that at the clarion. Oh? Lippy had nothing to do with planting a gun or any other evidence. Do you mind if I ask him? Of course not. You ought to be back here soon, and you can tell him what you just told me, and then duck. Because he's sure to take a poke at you. I'll take my chances on that. Uh, you better answer your phone. Thanks. Yes? Oh, yes, Inspector. What can I do for you? What? What's that? Holy cat. When? Where? All right. Sure, okay. Be right down. Go on. What's the matter? You look upset. Yeah. I thought it upset you, too. Lippy Williams was just found on River Road with his head caved in. What? He's dead. Startled, Clark Kent stiffens in his chair. Lippy Williams, the one man he had counted on to lead him to the unknown person who shot Joe Martin, is dead. And at this moment, behind a dark barn in Lordville, almost a dozen men, guns in their hands, and ugly hate in their hearts, wait for the state police car to bring Sam Robbins within their grasp. What will happen? Don't miss tomorrow's tenth episode. Be sure to tune in same time, same station. And remember, for breakfast, it's Kellogg's Pep. For excitement, the adventures of Superman.
Superman. It's a copyrighted feature appearing in Superman DC comic magazines and is brought to you Monday through Friday at this same time by Kellogg's Pet, the sunshine cereal. Ooh, yeah, let me tell you something right here, uh uh-huh. It's the Loot Crate subscription box, yeah, full of exclusive loot on surprises and delivered to your door every month. Just pick up your favorite geeky genre, daddy. (laughs) From the original Loot Crate, the Loot Crate DX collectible boxes, dude. Cowabunga! To the Loot Gaming video game box. Woohoo! Browsers! With crates starting as large as $11.99 per month, those are backs just about for all collectors. To get your geek on, head over to phoenixmedia.us forward slash loot crate and claim your exclusive offer. That's F E N I X media.us forward slash loot crate. Great Scott! Snap into a loot crate, it? You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater, presented by Phoenix Media. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane, no, it's Superman. Faster than a speeding bullet, more powerful than a locomotive, able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look, up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane, it's Superman! Kellogg, F. P-E-P-Pep. Kellogg's Pep, the sunshine cereal, presents The Adventures of Superman. Today, temporarily stymied by the mysterious murder of Lippy Williams, Clark Kent is unaware that Sam Robbins is being led to a death trap. Hello there, gang. This is your pal Dan McCullough. Say, uh, you know what's even more fun than getting the swell prize in each package of Kellogg's Pet? Why, it's collecting all three different kinds of pet prizes and seeing how many of each kind you can collect. You get loads of fun for weeks and weeks. First off, it's mighty exciting to see which kind of prize you'll get in your next pet package. Maybe it's a bright-colored comic button picturing a favorite comic strip character. 18 and all to depend on your jacket or your beanie cap. Or uh, maybe it's a bird picture, each with a full description on the reverse side. Yes, sir, or maybe your next step prize will be one of seven colored cardboard plane models. A sense to put together. Yes, sir, you keep right on having fun when you're collecting the prizes in packages of Pep, the sunshine cereal. And all the while, you can be enjoying breakfast with those crunchy golden whole wheat flakes of Pep. Flakes all crisp and fresh and, and catchy tasting as you spoon them up. I mean Pep cakes with a flavor in a strictly terrific way. So get going, gang. Ask Mom to get you Kellogg's Pep tomorrow and look for your prize inside the package. Now the adventures of Superman. Although a web of circumstantial evidence has been so cleverly planted that Sam Robbins appears to be the only suspect for the shooting of Joe Martin, his best friend and war buddy, Clark Kent insists that Robbins is innocent. Lippy Williams reported for the scandal during Metropolis Clarion knew that Robbins was not guilty, since he had been an instrument of Big George Latimer, unscrupulous state political boss, in planting the frame-up. But when Latimer arranged for Robbins' transfer to a jail in a section of the state known to be a hotbed of racial and religious bigotry, Williams called it murder and refused to be a party to it. Meanwhile, unaware of the danger to Robbins due to Latimer's latest move, but suspecting that Williams knew enough to help clear the accused ex-GI, 
Kent took Sam's mother to the clarion office in the hope of making Lippy talk. Kent and Mrs. Robbins were talking with Abner Brown, the clarion editor, when a call came in from the police. Turning white, the editor hung up and gasped. That was the police, Kent. Lippy Williams was just found on River Road. Dead. Taking Mrs. Robbins with him, Kent rushes out of the clarion office and into a cab. A few minutes later, we find him talking with Inspector Henderson in front of the city morgue. What's the story on this killing, Inspector? Well, we don't know much yet, Kent. Except that Williams was found on the side of the road just inside city limits. The uh, medical examiner said he'd been dead about, oh, half an hour when a patrol car spotted him. Any idea who did it? Nothing to hang a hat on. But, uh, and this isn't for publication, Kent. Okay. But my hunch is that Williams was done in by someone he lied in the clarion story. Oh? Yeah, there are plenty of guys in this town with a motive like that, you know. Could be. My guess is he was put away for knowing too much. Knowing too much? About what? About the shooting of Joe Martin. What? Hey, Kent, if you know something you've been holding... I don't know anything except that Sam Robbins is innocent. Well, I have got some ideas, and that's one of them. If Mrs. Robbins, Sam's mother, can identify Williams as the man who came to see her, I'll explain what's in my mind. Okay. Let her view the body. Where is she? She's waiting for me in that cab. Come on, we'll take her into the morgue. Was this the man who came to your house yesterday, Mrs. Robbins? Well, well, was it? Please, Inspector, please. I know this is trying, Mrs. Robbins, but it must be done to help Sam. Now, don't try to talk. Just nod your head. Was this the man? You're positive? All right, that's all I want to know. Come on, Mrs. Robbins, I'll put you in a cab. Wait for me in your car, Inspector. All right, Captain, I give what was Lippy Williams doing at the Robbins' house yesterday, and what's that got to do with what happened tonight? Here it is, Inspector. I'm practically certain that Lippy planted the gun in Sam's room. What gun? The one with which Joe Martin was shot. Oh? What makes you so sure of that? Because I happen to know that Lippy came to the Robbins' house a half hour or so before the state troopers showed up and found the gun. He posed as one of Sam's buddies. Mrs. Robbins went into the kitchen to get him something to eat, leaving him alone in the living room. He was gone several minutes. And you think Lippy, a reporter, slipped into Robbins' room and planted the gun, huh? That's right. Why? Because I think he was working with the people who have deliberately framed Sam. What people? And who says he was framed? I do. So does Sam's junior friends who were standing next to him at the Capitol when Joe Martin was shot. They all swear he did not have a gun. And I'm sure Joe Martin will say the same thing when he's able to talk. But Big George Latimer said he saw Robin pull a gun. I know, I know. But I believe Big George Latimer is, uh, well, mistaken. You won't find many takers for that idea in this state. But go on. You say Williams was working for someone who wanted to frame Robin. Like who? Like whoever wants to discourage the veterans from complaining that they're being discriminated against in state job appointments on the basis of race and religion? I'll be hanged if I can see a connection between the G.I. beef against the state administration and William's murder. Well, maybe I'm sick. I don't like to agree with you on that, Inspector, but... Watch your manners, Kent. Sorry, but you asked for it. Never mind. Just tell me how these two separate headaches tie in. I've already told you. I think Lippy either found out about the plot to frame Sam Robbins or was in on it for his scandal sheet. So? So he was bumped off because he knew too much, huh? Right. Now... No, I don't buy that, Kent. Well, I still think Williams was knocked off by somebody he slandered in the clarion. Okay, how do we find out? Well, the first thing to do is to trace his movements tonight. Just what I was about to suggest. All right, let's go see Williams' editor, Abner Brown. Okay. Take it to the Metropolis Clarion Rally. Tell me, Mr. Brown, you know where Lippy Williams was this evening? Why, 
No, I don't, Inspector. When was the last time you saw him? Alive, I mean. Well, this afternoon. Stopped in here to file a story and then left. Did you say where he was going? Nope. Did you hear from him after he left? Well, yes, I did. He phoned in. Where from? I don't know. What did he call about, Brownie? None of your business, Kent. Well, it's my business, so tell me. What did he phone in about? He said he expected to have an important story for us soon and to stand by it. That was all. What kind of a story? I don't have to devote that. Now, look here, Brownie. Don't pull that tone on me, Inspector. I know my rights. Oh, come on, Brownie. It's no secret that Lippy was working exclusively on the Sam Robbins story, is it? Well, no. I suppose there's no harm in admitting that. And that's what he called about? Uh-huh. What'd he say? Well, nothing much. Only that he expected to have an important story in a couple of hours and to stand by. Well, maybe that's enough. Come on, Inspector. Now I think it's time I had a talk with Governor Wheeler. <laughs> Leaving Inspector Henderson, Clark Kent proceeds alone to the state capitol building for a talk with Governor Wheeler. Meanwhile, on the edge of a dirt road detour near a small upstate town, two men armed with rifles crouch in the moonless darkness beside an old barn. Six other men, similarly armed, spot behind bushes across the narrow country lane. How long has it been since Latimer called, Dean? Well, about two hours. You shouldn't take them troops that long to get this far with that Robin fellow. Now, don't you worry. They'll be along soon now. Maybe it was held up in traffic or something. Maybe. Can't help being impatient, though. Just itching to get my hands on that rotten foreigner. And so am I. We'll teach you what it means to shoot a real American and a war veteran at that. You bet we will. But hang on to your patience. We wouldn't have had this chance if Latimer hadn't tipped me that was transferring Robbins to the county tonight. That's right. You know, I'm surprised. Hold it. What's the matter? I thought I saw Harry's flashlight up the highway. Must have been a car's like, though. I hope there's only the two troopers with Robbins. Well, that's all they usually send with one prisoner. Anyhow, there are eight of us, not counting Harry. They won't be expecting anything. It won't be so good if another car happens to turn in the detour behind them. Well, if one does, Harry will head it off. There's not much traffic out this way at night, though. Oh. And did you see what this Daily Planet said today, Dean, about Sam Robbins being a good American and not a foreigner? That stinking paper. All those veterans who are hollering for state jobs are foreigners and radicals. Just because they were in the Army, they think they got everything coming to them. Yep. We've worked to get Governor Wheeler and the party elected, and these guys want state jobs, same as us, because they're ex-GIs. They're all radicals, that's why, like Robbins. we got to teach those guys a lesson. Maybe when we get through with Robbins, those other foreigners will see that we 100% Americans mean business. You said it. They better... Hold it. Huh? It's Harry's signal. Yeah, yeah, I see it. That means the trooper's car turned into the detour. Look, Dean, you can see the headlights. Uh-huh. Hey, you guys, get ready. You're right, Dean. Come on, Mike. Get this block across the road before they come around the bend. Yeah, let's go. Easing two long saw horses, Dean Evans and Mark Wells drag them into the road, into the path of the approaching car bearing Sam Robbins and the unsuspecting state troopers. A state police car bearing two uniformed troopers, Sam Robbins, has just swung off Highway 120 into a narrow dirt road detour. Now, turning a bend, the troopers see two long saw horses hung with a red lantern blocking the dark road. The man at the wheel applies his brakes and speaks to his companion who is in the rear seat. Sam. What's the matter with these road workers? They turn us off into a detour and then block it. Yeah, that's a funny one. Better get out and have a look, Bill. Okay. Put your hands up, Trooper. Put, Why, uh, put them up, I said. Hi. Reach for your guns and you're both dead men. Holy smokes. Four, six, eight masked guys, all with rifles. Yeah. What's the idea? What do you want? We want your prisoner. Sam Robbins. What? You want him for what? That ain't none of your business. We want that dirty foreign radical, see? And we mean to take him, and we have to shoot you to do it. So don't try to stop us. Okay, men. 
Get him. Help us with the two troopers stand with hands up raised as three armed and mad move forward to where Sam Robbins sits in the rear seat of the police car. What will happen to the ex-GI, whose big crime in the minds of these men of hate and bigotry is that he attends a church different from their own? Don't miss Monday's exciting episode to hear what happens when Superman learns what took place on the narrow, dark street door. Tune in, same time, same station. And remember, for breakfast, it's Kellogg's Pep. For excitement, Adventures of Superman. Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Superman DC comic magazines and is brought to you Monday through Friday at the same time by Kellogg's Pep, the sunshine cereal. You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater presented by Phoenix Media. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane. No, it's Superman. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look, up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane, it's Superman. Kellogg, Pep. P, 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 Pep. Pep, the Sunshine Serial presents The Adventures of Superman. Today, while Clark Kent rushes to the governor's mansion for a showdown talk, he is unaware that a group of cowardly bigots, taking the law into their own hands, have ambushed the state police escort and threatened the life of ex-GI Sam Robbins. Hello there, gang. This is your pal Dan McCullough. Say, isn't it something the way that keen, catchy taste of Kellogg's Pep puts the clutch on you? You get that strictly super pep flavor, and right off, it gets you. And from then on, it's you for pep and pep for you. And you wouldn't think of doing without those crisp golden flakes of whole wheat for a single breakfast. Sure, pep's that delicious. Why, every crunchy flake practically melts in your mouth, all tender and toasty. Yes, sir, if you're hep to Kellogg's Pep, you're hep to a mighty smooth dish, all right. And you're also hep to those slick pep prizes. Prizes that are always surprises because you never know which one of the three different kinds of prizes you'll find when you open your next pep package. For instance, you'll get either a colored cardboard model of a famous fighting plane, one of seven in the great pep air fleet, or uh, you'll get one of 24 pictures of birds in brilliant color with a full description on the reverse side. Or else, you'll find a bright-colored comic button picturing one of 18 characters from the funnies. Collect all 18 and, and pin them on your jacket or your beanie cap. Just ask Mom to get Kellogg's Pep, the sunshine cereal, tomorrow and look for your prize inside the package. Now the adventures of Superman. Believing in the existence of Sam Robbins, a war vet accused of shooting another ex-GI, Clark Kent has set out to prove that Robbins was framed as part of a plot to further practice of racial and religious discrimination at state jobs. Then the mysterious murder of an opposition paper reporter deepened Kent's suspicion of the state political leaders to a point where he decided on a showdown with Governor Wheeler. Meanwhile, unknown to Kent, the governor, yielding to pressure from Big George Latimer, state political boss, had arranged for Sam Robbins' removal to jail in upstate Grant City, hotbed of fanatical intolerance. As our story continues today, Kent is still unaware that as he is entering the state capitol, a police car bearing Sam in the custody of two state troopers is stopped at a roadblock on a dark, narrow country dirt road used as a detour. 
Eight masked men, armed with rifles, surround the car as their leader, a tall man named Dean Carter, approaches. Hey, what is it, to hold up? Not exactly, Trooper. Just do as we say and nothing will happen to you. What do you want? We want your prisoner. That there Sam Robin fella. What? What do you want him for? That ain't none of your business. We want our personal reasons and we aim to get him. We have to shoot you both to do it. Are you crazy? You know what you're doing. Sure we know what we're doing. Now keep your hands up and don't try nothing fancy. Okay, Mark. Drag him out of that car. Oh, wait a minute. Stand up, Trooper. Come on, Robin. Get out. I can't. I'm fast. Oh, no. Then I'll come get you out. Oh, are you dead? You fool. Can't you see the man's hand come that steel rod? <laughs> what do you know? And I skinned my knuckles on him for nothing. You filthy coward. If I had my hands free, I'd... Oh, shut up. Trooper. Well, where's the key to them handcuffs? I don't know. Neither do I. Right ain't gonna get you no place. Search him, Mark. Now, look, you're asking for trouble. What I wanted this from you, I'll ask for it. Find them keys, Mark? Yep. Here's some. Okay, unlock them cuffs. Keys to keep them up, troopers. Goodbye, Harry. I'll fire a bullet through your middle. I hope you know the penalty for interfering the law if there's an execution of duty. Duty? You were to do your duty as good Americans, there wouldn't be no necessity for good citizens to be doing it for you. What do you mean? I mean you'd have done to this foreign radical what we're fixing to do to them. We're daring to shoot a 100% American veteran, that's what. You can't take the law into your own hands. Ain't nobody going to stop us. Why, you. Don't you realize you're condemning Robbins without a fair trial? Yeah, don't you fret nothing about that. We'll get a fair trial, all right. Won't we, boys? Okay, the handcuffs are off. Now get out of this car, you rat. We got a surprise for you. And I got one for you. moment, miles away in Metropolis, Clark Kent is talking with Governor Wheeler in the library of the executive mansion. This is the moment, Mr. Kent. Are you implying that I know who killed that clarion reporter, Williams? Don't you, Governor? Of course I don't. I suppose you'll also deny that you knew Lippy Williams planted the gun with which Joe Martin had been shot in Sam Robbins' house. He what? You heard me. You said Williams planted the gun with which Joe Martin had been shot? In Sam Robbins' home, yes. I was about to prove it tonight, but someone who apparently guessed I might do just that, put Lippy out of the way. Good heavens, I, I can't believe it. Oh. Why do you think I would have put Williams to framing Robin? You know why. So you can make the public believe the veterans are led by hot-headed radicals as you charge in the clarion. Well, there, there, there may have been certain uh, unfortunate statements credited to me, but uh, oh. well, I assure you, I didn't make them. You didn't, eh? You mean somebody else made them for you? I, uh, I didn't say that. Look, Governor, quit stalling. One man has already died in this dirty business. Joe Martin, a war hero, may die too. And if he does, Sam Robbins, another war hero, will be executed for a crime he did not commit. Ah, oh, is that what you want? No, 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 of course not. All right, then why did you permit Sam Robbins to frame? I tell you, I'm not responsible for that. Well, who is? I... I don't know. You don't know. You don't know. Come, Governor, admit it. It's obvious that you're encouraging the client to try Sam and his dirty pages and to condemn him before his case can even come to trial. You hope to get the G.I.s off your neck that way. That isn't true, Kent. Why, and I'll tell you what else you're doing. By constantly calling Sam a foreigner and saying he's an American, you're deliberately and maliciously stirring up racial and religious intolerance. Stop talking like that, Kent. 
If I wanted to crucify Robert, would I have sent him out of Metropolis? What? You? You sent him out of Metropolis? Yes, yes, so he'd be safe. I was afraid the veterans might try to storm the city jail again to free him. Oh, as they no. started to do today when Superman stopped him. If I was against Robbins and the veterans, as you say, I, I would have welcomed trouble that would make them look bad. Wait a minute, wait a minute, where did you send Sam? To a jail upstate in Grant City. Grant City? No. Yes, I Why you... Oh, you know Grant City is a hotbed of nationalistic crackpots and religious fanatics. You didn't send Sam Robbins there to be safe. You sent him there to be late. Now, now, just a moment, Mr. Kent. Why did you send him there? Well, this evening, George Latimer suggested it should be done at once. Big George Latimer, eh? You mean he told you to send Sam to Grass City? He didn't tell me. He uh, he merely suggested that Robbins ought to be removed from the top. And set up state where he'd be removed from this world, eh? Now, now, wait. You mustn't misunderstand. Don't worry, Governor. I understand everything now. But I want you to understand this. I'm going to Grass City at once. When I get there, I want to find an order to have Sam Robbins brought back to Metropolis. Or else... Now, I'll... look here. How dare you talk to me? Oh, you haven't heard anything yet, Governor. Get that order and pray as you've never prayed before that nothing happens to Sam Robbins before I get to Grant City. Hurrying from the Governor's mansion, Clark Kent steps behind a hedge and, resuming his true identity of Superman, takes to the air. Up, up, and away! Eighteen miles from Grant City, where Superman has just arrived, a group of ten men, nine of them masked, stand in a dark, moonless forest glade. The unmasked man is Sam Robbins. His hands are bound tightly behind him. But scornfully, he looks at the grim arms packed surrounding him and says, All right, you stinky cowards. My hands are tied behind me, and there are nine of you with guns. So go on, get the dirty work over with. Uh, shut your mouth, you rotten foreigner. Why, you... you didn't have to do that, Mark. Huh? What's the matter with you, Doc? Nothing. Except I don't like to see a man slut when he can't fight back, that's all. This ain't no man. He's just a... Yeah? But just don't tie me for a minute, and I'll show you all. One at a time or all together. You better be quiet, lad. Don't bother with him, Doc. We're going to shut his mouth for good. Well, maybe you can shut my mouth, but you can't shut the mouths of all the guys who fought the war against mugs and talk like And what's more, my buddies will take care of you guys. The same way they took care of Hitler's and Harry Hayden's <laughs> too. Oh, it makes me sick to think we went through Guadalcanal and Okinawa and Iwo and all those other places for guys like you. Where do you get the nerve to call yourselves Americans? Hey, what is it? What are you waiting for? Wait a minute, man. Hold it. Well, what's on your mind now, Jack? Still feeling sorry for this radical scum? Ah, uh, look, man. Maybe he did shoot that other veteran. What do you mean, Bobby? Well, even if he did, he... Well, he did fight in the war for us, like he says, and... What's the matter with that? He's quiet, everybody. Well, what, Jack? What you trying to say? Go on. Well, all I got to say is... Well, I think Robert deserves a fair trial in the court. You think anyone who happened to be drafted into the army can get away with any crime against Americans, Doc? Oh, no, certainly not, but... But nothing. Robbins was a foreign radical. He shot 100% American veterans. And if the state police think they can pester him and waste taxpayers' money with trials and such like, we aim to show them they're wrong. Am I right, boy? Yeah. Keep your roar out of this, buddy, or this lynch-mad mob will give it to you, too. I could try it. Lynch-mad, huh? Look, guys, shooting is too good for Robbins. We got a few hoses here. I move we finish him with them or with our feet. What do you say? Ah, you bastard! Come on! Wolves, the cowardly, murder-bent mob rushes toward Sam Robbins, planning to feed him with rubber hoses and rifle butts, despite the fact that his hands are bound. Is this the end for the heroic young American G.I., who committed the unpardonable sin in the eyes of these bigots and fanatics? 
being born into a different church from theirs. What will happen with Superman only 18 miles away, growing anxious as the state trooper's car fails to appear in Grant City? Can he find the dark blade in the forest? And in time? We'll know tomorrow, so don't miss the next thrilling episode. Tune in, same time, same station. And remember, for breakfast, it's Kellogg's Pet. For excitement, the adventures of Superman. You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater, presented by Phoenix Media. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane. No, it's Superman. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look, up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane, it's Superman. Kellogg's Pet. P-P-P-Pet. Kellogg's Pet, the sunshine cereal, presents The Adventures of Superman. While Superman zooms off to protect veteran Sam Robbins against the fury of racial hatred, the ex-GI stands bound and defenseless as a gang of fanatical hoodlums threatens to pummel him to death. Before we continue with today's episode in the adventures of Superman, we'd like you to meet Mr. Charles Bolting, chairman of the American Veterans Committee, a new organization of World War II veterans which yesterday opened its Ring the Bell recruiting campaign. Mr. Bolting. Many of us who belong to the American Veterans Committee are the big brothers in your families. When we were in uniform, we looked forward to the day when we would have finished our fighting job. We thought the war would be over when the last shot was fired, but we were wrong. There's another kind of war going on, a war in which you can help us this time. It's the war against the fellow next door or down the block, and it generally shapes up so that there's a gang against one boy or girl. The reasons for that ganging up are reasons no American boy or girl should have. A difference in color or religion. That's why the American Veterans Committee feels Superman has rung the bell in fighting on the air against this kind of un-American war. That's why, as chairman of my organization, your older brothers who went to fight for you, I'd like to present the official commendation of the American Veterans Committee to Superman. Thank you, Mr. Boldy. I'd like to accept the commendation on behalf of the Kellogg Company who sponsors this program, Superman DC Publications, and the millions of American boys and girls in our audience who put into their daily lives the principles we stress here on our broadcast. We're mighty proud that this honor has come to us, and again, our thanks. Now, the adventures of Superman. In a plot to spread racial and religious intolerance, big George Latimer, unscrupulous boss of the state political machine, falsely accused an ex-GI named Sam Robbins of shooting another veteran. Latimer persuaded the governor to send Sam to a jail upstate in a district known for intolerance. Notified a henchman named Dean Carter that a police car carrying Sam would pass through his town that night. Dean arranged an ambush. And as Superman, learning that Sam had been sent upstate, streaked through the jail at Grant City in an effort to protect him, Sam was taken from the state police car by a band of masked men and marched to a small starlit clearing in the dark woods. There, the men began to beat him with rubber hoses, but as Sam fell to the ground, one of the men, called Doc, who had attempted to halt the cowardly attack, suddenly fires his rifle to the head of the mob and shouts to command. Listen. Cut it out, men! Let him alone! Who fired that guy? You stand where you are, all of you! I can stand where you are, Dean. Don't reach for your gun. 
Any of you. What's the idea, Doc? What's this the has idea? gone far enough, Dean. Too far. Can you get up, Robin? Yeah. I guess so. Get up, Fanning. Come over here. Oh, no, you don't. Let him alone. The first man who touches him, show me for that gun, Mark. I don't get this. I thought you were one of them. I was, but I'm watching you, Dean. Stand still if you want to get it. Then I'll listen, No, you'll listen to me, Dean. And all you others listen. I've got a belly full of this. Nine of us ganging up on one man. A man who fought in the war for us. Fight for me! For me, neither! You let Robbins and a lot of other boys like him do your fighting for you. You wave flags and call them heroes while the shooting's going on. But when they get matched, you call them foreigners. Well, I fought for that intolerant stuff for a while, too. But not anymore. This whole rotten business makes me sick to my stomach. Now, look, Doc, you know as well as we do that Robbins shot an American boy, a veteran. How can I or anybody be sure of that? He says he didn't. So he's entitled to a fair trial. Now, listen, Doc. Stand back, Gene. Take one more step and by heaven, I'll drill you. Uh, Trader, what do you think you're going to do now? I'll show you. Sam. Yes, sir. Can you get the rope off your hand? I've just about cut it off now. <sighs> Good. Pick up the rifles from the ground. Bring them here. And stack them instead of a fire. Okay. You better not try that, Charlie. Just try and stop us and see what happens. Go on, Sam. I'm warning you. You'll get the same thing this first. Hey, get you I'm afraid we'll have to run for it, Robin. Take a rifle. I've got one. All right. Keep them covered and back up into the woods. Then follow me. I'm right with you, Skipper. Hey, Dean, they're going to try to get away. Don't anybody move. I warn you. From now on, I shoot the kill. That goes for me, too. How are we doing, Doc? Okay, so far. Another step or two, we'll be in among the trees. Then we run like six I hate to run from the church without getting in a liquor, too. I guess we'll have to. Get ready now. Okay. Run for your life. Disregarding the prickly brambles and heavy underbrush, Sam Robbins and Doc rushed through the dark woods, literally fleeing for their lives as rifle shots fired by their bigoted pursuers whistled past their ears and ricochet from the trees. Meanwhile... Again, in his guise of Clark Kent, Superman is growing anxious as he waits for Sam's arrival in the office of Warden Jones at the Grant City Jail. I can't understand why the police car hasn't arrived with Sam Robbins yet, Warden. I'm worried. Nothing to be worried about, Kent. The troopers may have been delayed by traffic. Or maybe they stopped someplace for coffee. But they left Metropolis over three hours ago. It isn't more than a two-hour trip from there. Yes, that's right. Maybe they had motor trouble. They would have reported that by radio, wouldn't they? If they did, they would have reported to the nearest trooper barracks. Look, Warden. I wonder if you'd contact the barracks between here and Metropolis and find out if they had a report. Huh? No reason for that, Kent. I tell you, there's nothing to worry about. My hunch is there's plenty to worry about. Sam Robbins wasn't really sent up here for his safety, you know. What do you mean? Please, what do as I say, will you? Maybe the Daily Planet and I can do you a favor sometime. Well, all right. Yes, what? Well, David, all the state troopers barracks at Lordville, Bensontown, and Olivia. Find out if they've had any report on the car bringing Sam Robbins up here. Yes, and now relax, Kent. We'll have a report in a few minutes. Oh, this is be the report, Kent. I hope it's good. Yes, Davis. I spoke to Barracks and Lordville, Benson, and Olivia Ward. No report on that car. Oh, okay, thanks. Oh, wait, Kent. Where are you going? Out to look for that car. I'm afraid Sam Robbins is in trouble. <laughs> Hurrying from the city jail into the dark streets, Clark Kent quickly starts off his business suit and takes to the air as Superman. Up, up, and away! <laughs> Heading south, the man of steel speaks above the main highway between Grant City and Metropolis, his keen eyes searching for the missing police car and Sam Robbins. Unknowingly, he rockets within a few miles of the dark woods in which Sam and his benefactor, the man called Doc, are running from their pursuers. 
falling headlong over hidden stumps, picking themselves up and panting on. And then... It's no use, Doc. You go ahead. Don't bother about me. What do you mean, Robin? What's the matter? Well, I didn't want to tell you before, but I, I got a slug in my knee in the war. When those pals of yours knocked me around, the old knee cropped out. Oh, oh Ed, Doc, get away. I can leave you here. Nothing to it. I got you into Forget this. that. You did your best to make up for it. Come on, boys. Here they come. Go on, Doc. Save your own skin. Don't worry about me. I'm not leaving you. Look, I'd hoped we could get to the river, but there's an old barn just ahead with a wood's end. If we can get to that, we might be able to hide out or hold them off. You think you can make it? I'll try. I still wish you'd go ahead. I'm not leaving you, so stop wasting your breath. Here, put your arm around my shoulder. There. I can see him. Come on. Oh, they spotted us. Come on, Sam. We've got to make that barn. Sam Robbins half-walk, half-run toward the old deserted barn on the field beyond the woods. Closely pursued by Dean Carter and his bloodthirsty followers. Aided by Doc, Sam Robbins managed to limp across the open field to the shelter of an ancient barn. Just as Dean Carter and his cowardly followers burst from the woods. Crouching in the open doorway, Doc and Sam fire several rifle shots toward the approaching figures. Only dimly seen in the faint dark. Hold it, Doc. They're ducking back out of the woods. Good. Give us a chance to get our breath back. Oh, that was close. I didn't think we'd make a barn. Oh, this is great. I put in three years fighting Japs, and then I come home and have to fight fellow Americans. That's a dirty shame, Sam. I don't know what got into me to hook up with those fellows. Oh, forget it, Doc. You snapped out of it. Oh, I won't ever be able to forget it. I think I went haywire a couple of years ago when my wife and son were killed in an automobile accident. Oh, gee, Doc, that's too bad. And then Dean Carter began bending my ear with that phony down-to-the-foreigner stuff. I knew it was poison medicine, but it had the peculiarly soothing effect, and I drank it. it well, hating seemed to help me forget. Ah, uh, but tonight, when I saw what it brought me to, hating people is bad, Sam. Very bad. You're telling me? Hate is what causes wars and makes... Get away from that door, Doc. Little playmates are getting rough again. Well, let's give them some of the same. I'll save your ammunition. Benny. Oh, good country. I forgot. How many bullets have you got left? I picked up a clip before we left our chums. It's in the magazine now. And that's all, brother. I'm down to my last clip, too. But Joe Martin and I held off a gang of Japs for 24 hours once with only one clip between us. Now, the trick is to make each shot count. You're a cool customer, Sam. No, not cool. You're tired. Plain tired. Many's the night I lay out there in a foxhole, thinking how good it was going to be to get home. And then I get home. To this... It doesn't... Hey, what's that? What? That's more smoke. Yeah, so do I. What's it coming? I know. Oh, cheap. Look, Doc, up there. Good Lord. The hay mouth on fire. Who was fired into the barn must have ignited the hay. This old barn is going to look like a matchbox. Then how? Oh, come on, we got to get out of here. Yeah, we'll head to the river. Oh, what now? What are you stopping for? Look out there. Holy smoke, they got us surrounded. Yeah. What do we do now? You got me, Doc. From where I stand, this looks like curtains. The hard-hammering Sam Robbins and his newfound friend stand in the furiously burning barn, surrounded by the armed men of hate, trapped, their fate apparently sealed. What will happen? Superman is miles away, scouring the highway, and second count. Don't miss tomorrow's exciting episode, whatever you do. Tune in, same time, same station. Remember, for breakfast, it's Kellogg's Pet. For excitement, the adventures of Superman. 
Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Superman DC comic magazines and is brought to you Monday through Friday at the same time by Kellogg's Pep, the sunshine cereal. Get this and previous episodes of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater wherever you get podcasts or by visiting phoenixmedia.us forward slash silverageheroes. Join us again, same bat time, same bat station, for another presentation of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. Excelsior! Thank you for tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. I'm your host, Christian Phoenix. Now, growing up as a comic book fan of the 80s and 90s, I've always been fascinated with how storytellers translated these iconic heroes from the page to film, television, and radio. Long before we got the big-budget CGI epics we enjoy today, children gathered around their radios to hear their favorite do-gooders come to life with little more than their imaginations and these broadcasts from a time long forgotten. I invite you to gather around your radio for this presentation of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman. Kellogg's Pep. Pep, the Sunshine Serial presents The Adventures of Superman. Today, as the Man of Steel rockets through the air in search of Sam Robbins, the XGI and Doc, his newfound friend and benefactor, are treacherously trapped in an old barn between roaring flames and a gang of murder bent hate mongers. Their gang, this is your pal Dan McCullough. Say, uh, which is it? Is it a bird? Is it a plane? Is it a button? Well, you might get any one of those three kinds of prizes in your next package of Kellogg's Pet. And are all three kinds smooth. For instance, those bird pictures. Each one's in brilliant color with a description on the reverse side. So you get the real lowdown on these high flyers. There are 24 pictures of birds in all. And then you can collect seven different models of famous fighting planes, all made of colored cardboard and easy to assemble. And the comic buttons, 18 different bright-colored buttons to collect, each picturing a favorite comic strip character to, to pin on your jacket or your beanie cap. That makes 49 different prizes in all you can collect, one in each package of pep you open. And all of them are super, to go with pep's super terrific flavor, which is saying a lot because that full wheat flavor of pep is really out of this world. Each spoonful of these crisp golden flakes tastes the downright wonderful that you have to keep yourself from gobbling them down. So ask Mom for Kellogg's Pep the Sunshine cereal. And remember, look for the prize inside your package. Now the adventures of Superman. Falsely accused of shooting his best friend and war buddy, Sam Robbins was being driven to an state jail when the police car was ambushed by a gang of intolerant bigots who vented their poisonous hate on Sam, whom they called a foreigner, because he attended a church different from their own. 
the young ex-GI was about to be lynched when one of the men, known as Doc, suddenly realizing what a cowardly and un-American act he was participating in, helped Sam to escape. The two took refuge in an old barn, but the shots of their pursuers set afire the dry hay in the loft, and the ancient wooden structure began to go up in flames. Sam and Doc started to leave, only to discover that they were trapped by the lynching party, which had surrounded the burning barn. Listen. Look out. They're shooting through the door. The dirty cards. Sam, look. The roof is on fire. Yeah. This place is going up like a matchbox. Oh, I must have been crazy to listen to those fanatics. I deserve to die for getting you into this. Oh, forget it, Doc. We all make mistakes. This leaves a kind of sour taste, that's all. The Japs tried for three years and couldn't nail me. Then I come home and get it from my own countrymen because they don't like the way I part my hair. Well, that's life, I guess. The question is, what do we do now? I don't know. If we go out, we'll be a clear target for that bloodthirsty gang. If we stay here, we'll be roasted to death. Looks to me like we're between the devil and the deep blue sea, Doc. The meeting is open to suggestions. Look out, Sam! The beam's gonna fall! Yeah, and then comes the roof! Brave, this is it, Doc! Sam Robinson, Doc, await the end. Superman, searching the highway between Metropolis and Grant City, has finally discovered the missing state police car in the bushes beside the dark detour. Swiftly, he rips the ropes and gags from the two troopers in the bottom of the car and learns what happened. Now, wait, wait, wait. Don't both of you talk at once. Just tell me, did these fellows who ambushed you take Sam Robbins away in a car? No, they walked him into the woods. These woods right here? Yes, the dirty wretch said they had a grave all ready for him. Have they? Now, look, you men, wait here. I'm going after them. Up and away! Don't see anyone in these woods. Just hope I'm not too late. Wait a minute. What's that fire up ahead? Better look at that. Away! Uh-oh. Barn's burning. It'll collapse in a moment. Quick, Scott Samson's is trapped there, and another man. And there goes the roof. Down to them. Down! down into the blazing inferno, Superman seizes Sam Robinson, Doc, whips him under his cape just as the flaming roof crashes down upon him. Shaking the debris from his shoulders, the man of steel rockets up through the flames with Sam and Doc sheltered beneath his cape and plummets down on a nearby hill overlooking the sea. There we are. What were you fellas trying to do? Get a suntan? We, we'd given up the ghost. You saved our lives, Superman. Glad I got here in time, Sam. Hey, now, how did you know my name? Well, I've been following your case. I don't believe I know this man, will you, though? My name is Waters. The people around here call me Doc because I'm a veterinarian. I see. I'm one of the cowards who started out to lynch Sam. Oh? And I didn't deserve to be rescued. You should oh, have Don't listen me. to him, Superman. I'd have been a dead duck long ago if not for him pulling those mugs off with a gun. I get I the he... general idea. You can give me the details later. What about those fellows hiding in the woods down there near the burning barn? Are they the lovely characters who tried to put on the lynch party? Yes, sir. They're probably scattering into the woods trying to get away. Well, don't worry. They won't get far. I'll collect them and turn them over to a couple of state troopers who are going to be very glad to see them. You two wait here for me. I'll be back in a few minutes, and the three of us will hop back to Metropolis. This dirty business must be cleaned up before something much worse happens. Up! Up! And away! Well, that's the story, Mr. White. I, uh, I mean, Superman picked up Dean Carter and his hate gang and turned them over to the state troopers. Good. You should have heard Carter and his crackpots yell about how their rights as American citizens were being abused. I wish I had heard them. I'd tell them a thing, too. Murderers and bigots, that's what they are. Than which there's nothing lower on this earth. Well, go on, Kent. Uh, what about Sam Robbins and that old Doc? Well, Sam refused to prefer charges against Doc, so he was released. He'll testify against Dean Carter and company at their trial. Swell. And Sam? The state police agreed with Superman that Sam would be safer in the city of metropolis, despite Governor Wheeler's idea to send him upstate. Oh, that's fine. 
You know, Kent, I still can't understand the governor having sent him to Grant City. Everybody knows that's a hotbed of hate and intolerance. Well, that's exactly why Sam was sent up there, Chief. Well, what do you mean? The powers that be wanted him to be lynched. What powers that be? Governor Wheeler? Or George Latimer? Or maybe both. You mean Big George Latimer, uh-huh. the state political boss? Another. The governor told me that he and Latimer talked over sending Sam upstate. Uh, for Sam's safety, they said. Uh-huh. And I've since found out that Dean Carter is one of their political lieutenants up there. Well, Wheeler or Latimer could have tipped him off that a state police car was bringing Sam to Grand City. Now, now wait a minute. Wait a minute, Kent. You are making a serious accusation. Just because the return G.I. has accused the governor of practicing racial and religious discrimination and awarding jobs. That's well, no reason... Well, he is practicing discrimination, and so is Latimer, who's in charge of patronage. They'll do anything to get the veterans off their necks. That's why they shot Joe Martin, or had him shot, and framed Sam Robbins for shooting. They had Martin shot. Are you out of your mind? Not at all. The obvious purpose was to discredit the non-Protestant G.I.s who want jobs. By charging at the Fed organization, led by hotheads and radicals who won't stop at anything to make trouble. But would they go so far as... Look, to... Chief, look. Latimer said he saw Sam pull a gun during the veterans' demonstration at the Capitol, didn't he? Yes. All right. Several G.I.s who were standing right next to Sam swear he didn't pull a gun. And besides, the location of the bullet indicates that Joe was shot from a position straight ahead and a little above. Hmm. That could only mean the Capitol steps where Wheeler and Latimer were standing with their police guard. All right, all right. But how can you explain away the fact that the very gun used in the shooting was found in Robin's house in his room? Easy. It was put there by Lippy Williams. Lippy Williams? Sure. The clarion reporter who was murdered? Right. The man who wrote those rotten stories about Sam and the veterans. But why? Oh, now, Chief, in case you've forgotten, the clarion is the mouthpiece for the governor's party. Oh, I know that. I know that. But for the newspaper to stoop so low... Well, anyhow, that doesn't prove your fantastic statements that the governor or Latimer shot Martin framed Sam Robbins for it, and then deliberately sent Robbins upstate to be lynched. Oh, you're right there, Chief. But I expect to have the proof very soon. Oh, oh you do. Mm-hmm. You do, eh? And how, may I ask, do you expect to get it? From Governor Wheeler. Governor Wheeler? I had a little conversation with him before I went to Grant City. I think I put the fear of the Lord into him. By this time, he should have heard that Sam's lynching did not come off. So, at any time now... At any time what? I expect a break, naturally. Now, look. The only break is in your brain, Kent. It's cracked wide open. Uh, now stop playing detective. Look out the story about the lynching. I want a two-column spread for page one tomorrow. Just a minute. Yes? Is Mr. Clark Kent there, please? Kent? Yes, hold on. Uh, you, Kent. Oh, thanks. Clark Kent speaking. This is John Briggs, Mr. Kent, Governor Wheeler's secretary. Oh, yes, Mr. Briggs. This may be it, Chief. What? The governor wants to know if he can see you on a very important matter. Well, he certainly can. Where and when? Would you come to the Capitol? realize it's rather late, but this is quite urgent. What is it, Kent? Just a minute, Chief. Oh, uh, yes, yes, I can make it. That's fine. Oh, by the way, the governor suggests that you come to the side door of his mansion. The side door, if you don't mind. The side door? Yes, I gather that this matter is extremely confidential. Yes, it certainly I'll is. I'll be at the door myself to let you in. Okay, I'll be there in a few minutes. Excellent. Oh, Mr. Kent. Yes? If you will respect the governor's confidence and not mention that you're coming here, he'll be very grateful. I won't mention it, and I'll see you in a few minutes. Thank you. Goodbye. Goodbye. Well, what is it, Kent? This is either the break I was expecting, Chief. Yes? Or it's a trap. A trap? Mm-hmm. Well, what do you mean? I don't know. I'll know more in a few minutes. The trail is getting warm, Chief. Very warm indeed. See you later. Clark Kent has arrived at the governor's station on the state capitol grounds to the unlighted side door as directed. He is admitted by Briggs, the governor's secretary, and escorted to a library on the second floor. As we join him now, Governor Wheeler has just entered the room. 
He nods to Kent as he signals Briggs to leave. He carefully closes and bolts the door behind him. Taking position near the fireplace, the state chief executive addresses himself to Kent. Forgive me for keeping you waiting, Mr. Kent, and, and for bolting the door. I, I must be very careful. Careful, Governor? Yes, because I... I well, you see, I... Well, I have something very important and uh, extremely personal to, to reveal to you before... Before what? Well, you see, Kent, I... I'm about to commit suicide. Stunned, Clark Kent is for a moment unable to move. Governor Wheeler's startling words echo in his ears. Well, you, you see, Kent, I... I'm about to commit suicide. What is the meaning of the governor's startling statement? Can he be serious? Tomorrow's episode tells the story in swift and exciting fashion. So don't miss it. Tune in, same time, same station. And remember, for breakfast, it's Kellogg's Pet. For excitement, the adventures of Superman. Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Superman DC comic magazines and is brought to you Monday through Friday at the same time by Kellogg's Pep, the sunshine cereal. Behold my precious. Ooh, yeah, let me tell you something right here, uh huh. It's the Loot Crate subscription box, yeah, with an exclusive loot on surprises delivered to your door every month. Just pick up your favorite geeky genre, daddy. <laughs> From the original Loot Crate, the Loot Crate DX collectible boxes, dude. Cowabunga! To the Loot Gaming video game box. Woohoo! Yeehoo! To the Loot Crate video box. What's with kids today, huh? Wowzers! With crates starting as large as 11 dollars per month, there's a box just about for all collectors. To get your geek on, head over to phoenixmedia.us forward slash loot crate and claim your exclusive offer. That's f-e-n-i-x media.us forward slash loot crate. Great Scott! Snap into a loot crate, it. You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater, presented by Phoenix Media. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane. No, it's Superman. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings in a single bound. Look, up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane, it's Superman! Kellogg's Pep. P-E-P, Pep. Kellogg's Pep, the sunshine cereal presents... The Adventures of Superman. Today, Governor Wheeler makes an amazing confession to Clark Kent. And Big George Latimer proves a formidable opponent even for Superman. Hello there, gang. This is your pal Dan McCullough. Say, uh, do you feel like galloping into the breakfast table in the morning? Or uh, do you just kind of amble in at a slow trot? Well, believe you me, if you know there's a bowl of Kellogg's Pat the Sunshine cereal waiting for you, you'll get there in record time. Because speed's the word when you're heading for those crisp golden whole wheat flakes of Pat. They're that delicious, that full of smooth, catchy flavor, that fun to eat. And say, while we're in the fun department, just take a look inside your next package of pep for your prize. See which one of the three different kinds of prizes you get. 
Maybe it'll be a model fighting plane in colored cardboard, one of seven great pet planes you can collect. Or uh, maybe it'll be a bird picture in brilliant color with a full description on the reverse side. You can collect 24 of them. Or uh, maybe it'll be a bright colored comic button picturing a favorite comic strip character, 18 and all to pin on your jacket or your beanie cap. And whether it's a plane or a, or a bird or a button, you keep right on having fun when you're collecting the three different kinds of prizes in packages of pet. So get going, gang. Ask Mom to get you a supply of Kellogg's Pep tomorrow. And now, the adventures of Superman. Returning to the Daily Planet after rescuing Sam Robbins, a young war veteran from a gang of intolerant hate mongers, Clark Kent told Editor Perry White, I'm going to prove Governor Wheeler or Big George Latimer, the state political boss, was responsible for the shooting of Joe Martin and that Sam Robbins was framed for the crime. I'm also going to prove that Sam was sent upstate deliberately to be lynched. Just then, Kent received a phone call from the governor's secretary, who said that the governor wished to see him at once on a matter of great importance. In the library of his mansion on the Capitol grounds, Governor Wheeler bolted the door of his library, then startled Kent by saying, Kent, I... I'm about to commit suicide. Stunned, Kent was for a moment unable to move. But as we continue now, he leaps forward and grasps the governor by the arms. Listen. Don't talk like that, Governor. Taking your own life isn't the way out. It's never Taking the way out. Taking my life? Oh. oh, no, I didn't mean that. What? I meant I intend to commit political suicide. Political suicide? Oh, you had me scared there for a moment. I'll admit I thought of the other, but as you say, that isn't the way out. No. And now I want to make a clean breast of things, even though it'll ruin my career. And I want you to make it public through you and the Daily Planet. Well, I respect you for that, Governor. Go ahead. All right. First of all, the war veterans were right when they accused me of practicing racial and religious discrimination in awarding state jobs. I thought so. I didn't want to do it, Kent. Believe me, I've always held that there's nothing more foul or more unfair than discriminating against a man because of his race or his church. You're right, there isn't. Why did you do it? George Latimer forced me to. Big George? Well, how could he? You're the chief I executive. know what you're going to say. I could have defied him. Oh, yes. Well, perhaps I could have for a short while, but, well, I was weak and ambitious. I knew that if I defied Big George, he, he would break me politically. So you sold out your conscience and the Bill of Rights you swore to defend. Don't rub it in, Kent. I've suffered enough already for what I've done, particularly tonight when I learned what almost happened to Sam Robbins. If if he'd been lynched, I would have been one of his murderers, just as surely as if I had personally struck him down. And why did you send him to Grant City when you knew that that area is a hotbed of intolerant fanatics, ex-German Bundes, and all-around bigoted crackpots? You must have known Sam's life wouldn't be worth a nickel in that lunatic's paradise. Well, I should have been aware of that, but I honestly didn't think of it that way until you called it to my attention. You see, I, I'm so accustomed to accepting George Latimer's suggestion. You mean Latimer told him to send Sam upstate? Yes, he did. Ah, now we're getting down to cases. Tell me this, Governor. Did you also, at Latimer's suggestion, shoot Joe Martin and then frame Sam Robbins for it? I shoot Joe Martin? Oh, of course not. Latimer did it himself? Why? Why, wherever did you get such a preposterous note? There's nothing preposterous about it. One of you, or someone with you on the capital step, shot Joe Martin, making it easy to frame Sam Robbins for the shooting. No, I... Latimer said he saw Sam pull a gun during the demonstration. He was lying, wasn't he? Yes, George practically admitted to me that he didn't see Robbins pull a gun. All right. Did he admit that he had Lippy Williams, the late clarion reporter, plant the gun in Sam's house? No, but... Good heavens, Mr. Kent, that must have been what they were keeping from me. William started to say something that fitted in just with what you've said, and George stopped him. That was just the other day when George was telling him what to write in the clarion. I see. That... You must be right, then. George must have... No, 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 that's impossible. He wouldn't. He couldn't go that far. Oh, no. He went so far as to send Sam to Grant City, knowing he'd be lynched, didn't he? Well, yes. And but... I think he shot Joe Martin, or had him shot. 
Wait a minute. Was there anyone else on the Capitol steps with you and Latimer during the GI demonstration? Besides the state troopers, I mean. Let me think. No, I believe not. Uh, oh, wait, uh, Briggs was there. Briggs? Yes, my secretary, but oh, I'm sure he didn't do it. Uh, George treats him like a servant and Briggs loathes him. Besides, he's a very nice, quiet little fellow. All right, then it must have been Latimer himself. But how are we going to prove it? If he hadn't killed Lippy Williams, we might get the truth there, but I... You think George murdered Williams? Yes, sure. Williams was a smart aleck, and I don't think Latimer would let him live knowing how much he knew. Oh, that must be some way... Wait a minute. Governor Wheeler, you said you wanted to make restitution for what you've done. Yes, of course. All right. Will you help me get the goods on Big George Latimer? Well, how can I do that? I've got an idea. Now, you said he admitted to you that he didn't see Sam Robbins pull a gun. Well, he practically admitted it. Okay, get him to admit it again. Try to make him admit other things. Tell him... Oh, tell him you're worried. You, you've got to know where you stand. Threaten to go to the police unless he tells you everything. But that's ridiculous, Kent. Even if he admitted anything to me, it would only be my word against his. You certainly don't think I could get him to confess such things in public, do you? No. No, but if your private conversation were recorded, that would be all the proof we'd need. Recorded? Mm-hmm. What do you mean? I'll install a listening device right here in your library. Say, well, right behind that American flag on the wall. Now, you tell Latimer you've got to see him and bring him here. Get him to talk. I'll do the rest. Wait, wait. Look, Governor, George Latimer showed us that he won't stop at murder in order to spread racial and religious intolerance. This is the only way we can possibly prove what he is and, and, and stop him before, well, before much worse things happen in this state. Don't you see, Governor? I... Uh, all right, Kent, I'll cooperate. Good, good. Okay, now, when can you get Latimer here? Well, it's pretty late. Uh, probably not before tomorrow. Tomorrow. Excuse me, I'll see you later. Yes, sir. Yes, sir, who is it? It's Briggs. Uh, one minute. What is it, Briggs? Mr. Latimer is here, sir. What? Mr. Latimer? Yes, sir. He says he's leaving town for a week or two and wishes to see you before he goes. He's downstairs at the moment. Uh-oh. Does he know I'm here? No, Mr. Kent. The governor explained to me that your visit is highly confidential. Good. Well, what'll we do, Kent, if he's leaving town? We've got to get this job done before he leaves town. But how? I know how. Briggs. Will you please tell Mr. Latimer that the governor will be down at once? Shall I, sir? Why, why, yes, I suppose so, but I don't trust me, governor, please. Oh, very well. Uh, go on, Briggs. Yes, sir. I can't. Just a moment. All right. Now, listen, governor. You go downstairs and meet Latimer. Stall him along for, well, for five minutes. Then bring him up here and get him to talk. But, but why? I don't understand. We planned... Give me five minutes. When you come back here with Latimer, the listening device will be installed. Well, all right, but still, I don't... Please, Governor, go ahead. Oh, very well, Kent. Good, he's gone. Now, out of these clothes. Yeah, if only Candy Myers is home, and if only he still has that listening device. This is the only way I know to trap Latimer. The only way. Here we are. All set. Now, for a quick trip as Superman. Up of this window. Out! And away! <laughs> Leaping out into the night sky, Superman streaks away with but five minutes to arrange his trap for Big George Latimer. Traveling with the speed of light, Superman has rocketed to the home of Clark Kent's friend, Candy Myers, the private detective, secured the listening device, and streaked back to Governor Wheeler's mansion on the Capitol grounds. Now working swiftly, he is just completing the installation of the device beneath the American flag on the wall of the governor's library when he hears the doorknob turn. Uh-oh, here come the governor and Latimer. Let's drop the flag over the device. Like that. There we are. Out through the window. Away! <coughs> What was that? Huh? What? what was that, Frank? Didn't you hear it? No, oh, no, I... It sounded like a terrific wind. Not suddenly. I'll close the window. Well, well, as I was saying, Frank, 
I'm going out of town for a week or two. Elections are coming up, you know, and I've got to start up the boys. Make sure you get the votes in and get them in the right way. You know what I mean. I know, George. Look, look, I'm glad you dropped in. I want to talk to you. Really? About what? Oh, about Sam Robbins and other things. What about Robbins? Well, I want to ask you some questions about him, George, and I want you to answer Why, certainly, Frank. I'll be happy to tell you anything as long as we're alone. What do you want to know? Well, Robbins didn't shoot Joe Martin, did he? Of course he did. Oh, come now, George. He didn't, and you know it. I don't know any such thing. Well, that's a mighty nice flag in the wall, Frank. I've really noticed it before. Well, never mind the flag. Answer my question. Who shot Joe Martin? Why, I told you. What are you doing to that flag? Ripping it down. Listening device underneath it. No. Hey, stop. There. That takes care of that. Oh, you rotten double-crosser. You thought you could cut me, eh? No, George. Now listen. You want to know who shot Joe Martin? Well, no, I'll tell you. I shot him. You did? Yes. I did. Now, Frank, I'm going No, to... no. Put that gun down, George. I'll put it down. When I'm finished with it. First, I'm going to use it on you, Mr. Governor. Hailing, Governor Wheeler steps back with his big George Latimer, political boss and man of hate, advances upon him. A revolver gripped in his big hand, cold fury in his eyes. How did Latimer know about the listening device hidden by Superman behind the flag? What will happen to Governor Wheeler now? And to Clark Kent's plan to trap the murderous bigot? Tomorrow's episode is a thriller, so don't miss it. You're in same time, same station. And remember, for breakfast, it's Kellogg's Pet. For excitement, the adventures of Superman. Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Superman DC comic magazines and is brought to you Monday through Friday at the same time by Kellogg's Pet, the sunshine cereal. You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater presented by Phoenix Media. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane. No, it's Superman. Faster than a speed bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look, up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane, it's Superman. Kellogg's Pet. P-E-T, Pet. Kellogg's Pet, the sunshine cereal presents... The Adventures of Superman. the lax policies of weak-kneed Governor Wheeler backfire in his own face as he stands trapped, facing the menace of a loaded revolver held by George Latimer, political boss and man of hate. Hello there, gang. This is your pal Dan McCullough. Say, uh, did you ever meet up with a fellow who kind of nibbles at his food? You know, like a slow-motion picture of a man-eating? Well, if you've got any character like that around your breakfast table, just put him next to a bowl of Kellogg's Pep. Sure, you'd have a hard time finding anybody who wouldn't step up his pace while eating Pep, the sunshine cereal. That keen, catchy Pep flavor gets him time after time. Those crisp golden flakes of whole wheat taste so terrific that you get a bang out of every single spoonful. And say, who wouldn't get a bang out of those swell Pep prizes? Three different kinds of prizes, one or the other in every package of Pep you open. 
For instance, uh, you may find one of 24 keen bird pictures in gleaming bright colors with a full description on the reverse side to help you spot these birds in the air. Or uh, you may find a colored cardboard model of a fighting plane. And all seven model planes in the series are collector's items. Or uh, your next step prize uh, may be one of 18 bright colored comic buttons picturing characters straight out of the funnies. So ask Mom to get you a supply of Kellogg's Pet and look for your prize inside the package. Now, the adventures of Superman. Admit that he had practiced racial and religious discrimination in awarding state jobs to war veterans, Governor Wheeler confessed to Clark Kent that he had done so at the command of Big George Latimer, the state political boss. Convinced by Kent that Latimer is not only interested in spreading hate and intolerance, but that he's a murderer as well, Wheeler agreed to help trap Latimer into a confession. Kent installed a microphone behind an American flag in Wheeler's library, attached it to a recording machine, and left before Latimer entered the room. But to Wheeler's amazement, Latimer strode to the flag and ripped it from the wall, revealing the microphone. Smashing it on the floor, the political boss produced a revolver and advanced on the governor, his cold eyes blazing with anger. Listen. Double trust. Now, 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 wait a minute. You want me to tell you how Joe Martin was shot and how Sam Robbins was George, wait. You're even going to ask me how Lippy Williams got hit it was all going through that microphone to be recorded by that machine, Clark Kentry. No, wait, George. Put that gun down. I'll put it down. After I've used it on you, you rotten double-crosser. George, please, listen. Listen to what? Are you trying to lie out of it? No, I'm not going to lie. I'll admit everything. I did try to trap you. You're telling me. I knew something was cooking the minute Briggs phoned me that you'd call Kent. and told him to come over here tonight. Briggs? He phoned you? Of course. You didn't think he was working for you, did you? You ought to know you can't put anything over on me. I guess I should have. But I feel better for having tried. The only thing I regret is that it didn't work. Listen to the hero. The modern Nathan Hale. Who's so sorry he has but one life to give for his country. Maybe we'll put that under your picture in the Daily Planet tomorrow. The picture with a wide black border around it. I'd rather have that as my last picture than the one you'll get. In Congress, types and a number. <laughs> They'll never put a number on me. I wouldn't be so cocky if I were in your place, George. You see, Kent knows you shot Joe Martin and framed Sam Robbins for it. And he knows you murdered Lippy Williams, the carrion reporter, too. Kent only thinks he knows. They can't prove a thing. Neither can anyone else. That's where you're wrong. You think you're above the law, but you're making a mistake. I never make mistakes. You should know that by now. You should have known better than to talk to Kent in the room where there's a fireplace, too. Fireplace? What do you mean? What, sucker? Rick. Yes, Mr. Lantern. What? Come down here. See, Frank, the blue goes up the wall through the room above. All Briggs had to do was sit up there and listen to your conversation with Kent. Oh. You were a fool to turn on me, Frank. You were doing all right. I'd already made you governor. I was even thinking of running you for the Senate. That doesn't matter to me. But I was a fool. Yes, I was a fool to hook up with you on the first... Is that Certainly so? you only wanted to rub a stamp in the governor's chair. A stuffed shirt would do anything you ordered. Even violate the Constitution to practice racial and religious discrimination. So what? Constitution doesn't give us the right to get rid of the foreigners. We'll take care of our own. Believe me. You've changed the very meaning of the word. Why, to you, everyone who isn't a native born white Protestant is a foreigner. That's right, they are. They are not, and you know it. This country was settled and built by people of many races and religions, all of whom came from foreign lands. The Constitution and Bill of Rights guarantees equality to all, regardless of what church they choose to attend. Rubbish. I told you before to forget that stuff, but you wouldn't listen to me. No. You have to listen to punks like Clark Kent and the sentimentally stupid war veterans. Okay. So now you're going to pay for it. I don't care. Shut up. You want me, Mr. Latimer? Yes, Rick. Is everyone out of the house? Yes, sir. I sent all the servants home for the night. 
I told them it was the governor's orders. Good. My car is parked out front. Bring it around to the side door and wait for me. Make sure nobody's there. Yes, Mr. Lyons. Just a minute, Frank. You're wasting your breath, Frank. I told you it was working for me. I'll start walking. Where? Downstairs to the side door. What? What for? You wanted to know what happened to Lippy Williams, didn't you? Well, here's where you'll find out. By practical demonstration. Start walking. And remember, I'm right behind you with a loaded gun. <laughs> There's not a soul on the ground. Good. Open the rear door of the car. Okay. I'll come over here and give me a hand with the governor. Where is he? Right here in the hall. Oh. Where? I... Uh-oh. He, uh, he fell down the stairs. <laughs> oh, yeah? Did you see what happened, Briggs? Well, no. All right. I said he fell down the stairs. Do I have to put myself any clearer? Uh, no, no, no. Of course not, Mr. Latimer. Good. Take a seat. I'll take him under the shoulder. Okay. Quick. In the car. Wait. Yes, sir. Who are those men outside the gate? Charles. Oh, those. War veterans. Picketing. This time of night? Yes, sir. They showed up earlier this evening with big signs that the Governor Wheeler discriminates against veterans. We were good enough to fight for our country, but not good enough to get jobs. Stuff like that. Oh. More of those foreign radicals, huh? Well, they're not all foreigners. Just as bad if they stand up for them. Wait a minute. An idea. Put Governor down, please. You mean right here on the ground? Yes, right here. Somebody might show up. <laughs> you bet somebody will show up. But, Mr. Latimer... Get into my car and drive it back in front of the house. Back in then, front of the house? Yes. In. But I thought you were going to... I changed it. my mind. I'll stop interrupting and listen. Park my car in front of the house. Then walk back to the grounds to the street and tell the veteran Governor Wheeler wants to see them. Here, the side door. Yeah, but... Don't ask questions. Just do as I say. Then come upstairs to the library and I'll explain. Hurry up now. Well, okay, you're the boy. State Police Barracks, Corporal Wilkes speaking. This is George Latimer, Corporal. Big George Latimer. Oh, yes, Mr. Latimer. I'm afraid Governor Wheel is in trouble. Can you bring a detail of your man? Why, certainly, sir, but what's wrong? to explain now, Corporal. Hurry, come to the side door. Okay, Mr. Latimer, we'll be right there. Hey, Ross, Hanley, Keynes, on the double. Something's wrong at the governor's mansion. Except for a light over the night telegrapher's desk, another lighting the relaxed features of a dozing rewrite man. The large city room of the Metropolis Daily Planet is dark and deserted. But Perry White's office is brightly lit as the gray-haired editor and Clark Kent sit tensely, as if waiting for something momentous to happen. Maybe you want to call the governor. Oh, Chief Latimer might still be there. But it's after midnight. Patient Chief, Governor Wheeler said he'd call a moment Latimer left. Okay. Oh, if only this works. You're sure the recording device was okay? Well, Candy Mayer said it was the last time he used it. Didn't you test it? I didn't have time. I only had five minutes to get from the governor's mansion to Candy's house and back to the Capitol. What? Five minutes? But how... The governor should have called by now. Well, what did you say, Chief? You said you only had five minutes to get from the governor's mansion to Candy Mayer's house and back. That's at least six miles each way. Oh, uh, I... Did, did I say five minutes? You certainly did. You couldn't have made the trip both ways in less than an hour. Oh, uh... 
Couldn't I? Of course you couldn't. Now look here, can't I? Oh, what am I wasting time on nonsense for? Oh, what a story this will be. If you know what you're talking about, I mean. Don't you worry about that. Uh, Big George Latimer, publicly branded an intolerant hate monger and a murderer. It's almost too good to be true. Oh, wait, doesn't the governor call? Yes, come in. Oh, hello, Eddie. Hi, Mr. Kent. Uh, look, this flash just came in on the teletype, Mr. White. The director said you and Mr. Kent were still here, so I thought I'd better bring it in to you. Yeah, let's see it. Here you go. Good God, What is it, Chief? Here, see for yourself, Kent. Look. Metropolis Police Headquarters reports Governor Frank C. Wheeler is near death. What? Read the rest of it. Near death following an attack by several war veterans, all of whom have been captured by state troopers who were called to the scene by Mr. George Latimer. God, what does this mean? His eyes bulging, Clark Kent stares at the teletype flash and repeats the startling words. Governor Frank C. Wheeler near death following attack by war veterans. What can this mean? For one thing, Clark, it means that big George Latimer outwitted you. And at the same time, dropped another bombshell in his war against the ex-GI's attempt to break his political stranglehold on the state government. Now, how can you prove Latimer shot Joe Martin, Sam Robbins upstate to be lynched, and murdered Libby Williams, the clarion reporter, in his vicious campaign to heap fuel on the ever-smoldering fires of bigotry and intolerance? Knowing that Kent is Superman, we can be sure he won't admit defeat to the forces of hate. And one day he does do something. Something truly amazing that you won't want to miss. So be sure to tune in. Same time, same station. And remember, for breakfast, it's Kellogg's Pep. For excitement, the adventures of Superman. Superman is the copyrighted feature appearing in Superman DC comic magazines and is brought to you Monday through Friday at the same time by Kellogg's Pep, the sunshine cereal. You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater presented by Phoenix Media. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane. No, it's Superman. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look, up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane, it's Superman. Kellogg's Pep. P-E-P-Pep. Kellogg's Pep, the sunshine cereal, presents The Adventures of Superman. Today, Governor Wheeler, Clark Kent's only proof against the deliberate plot of racial discrimination, lies near death. Vicious hate monger George Latimer's planted victim of supposed attack by several ex-GIs. Hello there, gang. This is your pal, Dan McCullough. Say, uh, you like it fine when you get a present, don't you? In fact, you probably agree that the more presents, the merrier, right? Well then, gang, you'll really go for the 49 different prices you can get in packages of Kellogg's Pet. You'll get a bang out of all three kinds of these swell prizes. First off, it's, it's mighty exciting to see which one you'll get in your next pet package. Maybe it's a bright-colored comic button picturing a favorite comic strip character, 18 in all to collect and, and to pin on your jacket or your beanie cap. Or uh, maybe it's a bird picture in gleaming color with a full description on the reverse side. You can collect 24 then. Or uh, maybe your next pet prize will be one of seven colored cardboard plane models, a cinch to put together. Yes, sir, and that makes 49 different prizes you can collect from packages of Pet, the sunshine cereal. 
while all the time you can be enjoying breakfast with those crunchy golden whole wheat flakes of pet. Flakes that are golden toasted, all crisp and, and catchy tasting as you spoon them up. Mm-mm, it's pep a treat. So ask Mom to get you Kellogg's Pep tomorrow and look for your prize inside the package. And now the adventures of Superman. Convinced by Clark Kent that Big George Latimer, the state political boss, was not only waging a vicious campaign to spread racial and religious intolerance, but that he is a murderer as well, Governor Wheeler agreed to cooperate with Kent in an attempt to trap Latimer into a confession. But Kent and Wheeler were unaware that John Briggs, the governor's secretary, was a spy for Latimer, and that he had reported their plan to him. Alone with the governor, Latimer attacked him, placed his unconscious body in the driveway. A short time later, as Kent waited at the Daily Planet for a phone call from Wheeler, news wires were burned up with a flash announcement. Clark Kent has arrived at the governor's mansion and is admitted to the state executive's spacious study. Several uniformed patrolmen stand guard over a dozen angry war veterans as Inspector Anderson of the Metropolis Police, who has arrived to take over the case, questions Big George Latimer. Kent stands quietly by and listens. You, uh, you say you were with the governor before he went downstairs to speak to the veterans, Mr. Latimer? That's right, Inspector. I was in his library with him on the second floor, uh-huh. in which we could see the veterans outside the gates on Charles Street. We're carrying signs accusing Frank, I mean the governor, of discrimination in awarding state jobs. Their accusations were entirely false, I might add. You men will have to stop interrupting or I'll order your jail at once. Is that clear? You'll get a chance to speak your piece later. Go ahead, Mr. Latimer. Well, the governor was deeply disturbed, as he has been ever since these accusations began. I shouldn't wonder. He called in Briggs, his secretary, and told him to ask the veterans to come into the grounds to the side door. He wanted to talk to them. Briggs came back in a few minutes and said the men were coming. Governor excused himself and went downstairs. You, uh, you didn't go with him? No. I stayed in the library with Briggs. I see. A moment later, we heard loud voices outside. I heard the governor's voice over them. He was saying, please, boys, give me a chance. Listen to me. What do you mean he was saying that to us? I don't know to whom he was speaking. But suddenly I heard him cry out. He sounded in pain. I said, good heavens, Briggs. I'm afraid the governor's in trouble. That's when I phoned the state troopers. Then as Briggs and I ran downstairs to the side door, the trooper's car was already coming through the gate. What did you see when you got downstairs? Frank, the governor, was lying unconscious just outside the door on the side drive. A group of men were standing over him. Sure, we found him lying there when we arrived. Please, please. Mr. Latimer, would you recognize any of the men if you saw them again? Yes, of course, Inspector. There they are. Over there, across the room. Are you going to swallow that phony story, Inspector? It's a pack of lies. Why? Sure. Why? But he's trying to say we attacked the governor. We didn't. We found him lying there. Why? Please. You'll have to be quiet. I'm warning you for the last time. Briggs. Yes, Inspector. Mr. Latimer says you were with him when he phoned the state troopers and then discovered Governor Wheeler in the drive. Is that right? Yes, sir. You're prepared to swear to that in court? Why? Why, yes, sir. Uh-huh. Do you have anything to add to his story? No, sir. He, uh, he told it just the way it happened. Hmm. Can you identify these men as the ones who were standing over the governor's body? Why, yes, sir. And they're the same ones I told to come to the side door to see the governor. Okay, quiet, please. That's all. Corporal Wilkes. Right here, Inspector. Colonel Reed has given me permission to question you. Very good, sir. Now, I understand you received a phone call at the state police barracks from Mr. Latimer around the night. Is that right? That's right, sir. Mr. Latimer said he thought the governor was in trouble. 
I organized a detail of three troopers and came here with them at once. How long did it take you to get here from your barracks? Not more than a few minutes, sir. We were just down the street, you know. Uh-huh. What did you find? We found Governor Wheeler lying in the side drive. He was unconscious, apparently from a blow on the back of the head. A group of men were gathered around him, and I discovered later they were the war veterans who had been picketing the Capitol. Can you identify them as the group of men in this room? Yes, sir. We detained them as the men who had attacked the governor. It's final! That's a lie! We're being framed! Just the way they run! Just a moment! Will you please be quiet? May I ask Corporal Wilkes a question, Inspector? Sure, go ahead, Jen. Thanks. Uh, did you go through this house after you arrived, Corporal? Uh, no, sir. Briggs had already called the doctor, so we carried Governor Wheeler up to his bedroom. Then we came back downstairs to this room here. I see. Thank you. Would you mind stepping outside with me a moment, Inspector? Oh, uh, what for? Well, it's quite important. Please. Well, okay. Oh, everybody stay here till I get back. Riley, keep an eye on these men. Are you, sir? Come on, Inspector. Okay, okay. Now, what is it, Kent? This looks like a cut-and-dried case to me. Sure, sure. That's the way Big George Latimer wants it to look. But these veterans have been red-hot at Governor Wheeler. He probably said something to them tonight that made them blow their tops and one of them sucked. Well, if you'll come upstairs to the library with me, Inspector, I'll tell you a quick story and show you something. Here's where I planted the microphone, Inspector. I clamped it to the wall behind this American flag and led a wire to a recording machine in the next room. Yeah, well, I don't see any microphone. Of course you don't. It's gone now. And the only persons who could have removed it are either Latimer or Briggs. Latimer or Briggs? Sure. Except for the governor, they were the only two persons in the house when I left. Now, my theory is that Latimer found out about the recorder and our scheme to trap him into a confession, slugged the governor, and framed the G.I.s for it. Just the way he framed Sam Robbins for the Joe Martin shooting. Now, wait a minute, Kent. How could Latimer have found out? One way could have been through Briggs. You mean the governor's secretary? Right. If Briggs is working for Latimer, he could have told him the governor had asked me to come here, and he could have even overheard our conversation. Wait a minute. Hold everything. Why would Latimer want to put Governor Wheeler out of the way? Now, that's just what I was starting to tell you, Inspector. You see, I happen to know that Governor finally rebelled that Latimer's ordered to practice racial and religious discrimination in awarding state jobs. And from something Latimer let drop, he agreed with me that Big George had framed Sam Robbins and had murdered Lippy Williams, the clarion reporter. Holy smokes. The governor believed that? Yes. That's why he agreed to cooperate with me in trying to trap Latimer into a confession. Of course, you, you couldn't take me into your confidence. Well, I... You've always got to do these things on your own, don't you? Sorry, but believe me, there wasn't time to work any other way, Inspector. Well, even if you're right, you'll never prove it now. The governor is dying. And from where I sit, it looks as if his murder will be pinned on the G.I. We can't let that happen, Inspector. We can't let Latimer crucify the war veterans on his... his cross of bigotry and intolerance. That's a pretty speech, but it's too late now. Maybe next time you'll come to me when you get a lead. Yes, what is it, Riley? The governor's doctor just sent down for you and Mr. Kent, Inspector. He said for you to get to the governor's bedside as quick as you can. Oh, that's not bad. Come on, Kent. Is he gone? On the contrary, Inspector. He's suddenly taken a turn for the better. Yeah. It's wonderful. It's practically a miracle. We can't be certain that he'll recover, but he has a good chance. Fine. However, before I issue a bulletin, I want to speak to you gentlemen. Because when the governor was conscious for a moment, he asked for you two. Said it was very important. Uh-huh. He did, eh? Yes. I'm certain he'll regain consciousness again in a few moments. I uh, suggest you wait right here. You bet we'll wait. If he does come to, he'll be able to tell us who tried to murder him. Tensely, Clark Kent and Inspector Henderson wait just outside Governor Wheeler's bedroom where the state's chief executive lies unconscious, surrounded by three physicians and a nurse. 
As our story continues, Dr. Ross, the governor's personal physician, has just summoned Clark Kent and Inspector Henderson to the bedside. Governor is regaining consciousness, gentlemen. Clark, Clark Kent. Send for him. And, and for Inspector Henderson. I'm right here, Governor. You too, Inspector. Who, uh, who did see you, Governor? Big, big, big George Latimer. Why, I knew it. Come over here, Inspector. I want to tell you something. An idea that just occurred to me. Well, that'll wait. You come on downstairs with me, Kent. I'm going to arrest Latimer so far. No, wait, Inspector. You can't arrest I him. I can't. Huh? No. Well, you just watch me. I'll... Listen, will you? If you arrest him, we may never be able to prove anything against him. Are you out of your mind? No. You just heard we say Latimer tried to murder him, didn't you? Yes, but it's only the governor's word against two others. Latimer and Briggs. That right? Well, yes, but of course it is. There's only one way to get the goods on Latimer, Inspector. Only one. And what's that? For Latimer to think Governor Wheeler is dead. Scowling puzzledly, Inspector Henderson stares at Clark Kent. What does Kent mean? Apparently, Kent, who as we know as Superman, has a plan to prove Big George Latimer the cunning man of hate, guilty of his many crimes. What is Kent plan? We'll find out tomorrow in one of the most fascinating and exciting episodes you've ever heard. So be sure to be with us. Tune in, same time, same station. And remember, for breakfast, it's Kellogg's Pep. For excitement, the adventures of Superman. Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Superman DC comic magazines and is brought to you Monday through Friday at the same time by Kellogg's Pep, the sunshine cereal. Get this and previous episodes of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater wherever you get podcasts or by visiting phoenixmedia.us forward slash silverageheroes. Join us again, same bat time, same bat station, for another presentation of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. Excelsior!